0: Hello and welcome to Hockey Te Charcha, a podcast series launched by Hockey India in April 2021 with an intention to bring interesting stories of hockey stars who have carved a niche for themselves representing the glorious past, present and the promising future of the sport. I'm your host, Nandini, and for episode number 44, we are absolutely delighted to have with us the Indian men's hockey team chief coach, Craig Fulton. Craig has had an illustrious career in hockey as both player and as a coach. In his stint with the South African national team, Craig has an impressive 101 caps, which includes representation at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, and the 2004 Athens Olympics. He has also played in the 2002 Men's World Cup. And as a coach, Craig guided Ireland to third place at the 2015 Men's Euro Hockey Nations Championship. And he helped them qualify for the 2016 Olympics in Rio, as well as helped them qualify for the 2018 Men's Hockey World Cup in bhubaneswar Odisha. His achievement with the Irish team won him the 2015 FIH men's hockey um coach of the year award and in his stint and in his next stint Craig as the assistant coach famously guided the men's um Belgium hockey team along with head coach Shane Mcloyd to world cup glory in 2018 Craig thanks so much for joining us on hockey te charcha
1: thank you thanks for having me um... There's a slight correction there. I had 195 games for South Africa.
0: Wow, fantastic. <laughs> I, thought I, I, just,
1: I thought i just put that in there.
0: Yes, absolutely. 195 caps, everyone. Uh, thanks so much yeah, job. job. It's job. Uh, ab- thanks for the
1: intro. Really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, pleasure having you uh, for our show. And um, and also, um, you know, a big welcome to the uh, to the Indian hockey setup think uh, I think uh, everyone's very excited for you to be here and um, before we start talking a lot more about your new assignment you know I I would just uh, love for our listeners uh, to hear about your journey in hockey you were born in Harare Zimbabwe which has actually hosted some incredible cricket matches and then you grew up in South Africa, played hockey there, which also, again, is is a cricket destination. So how did mm-hmm. hockey really happen?
1: Um, yeah, I was born in Harare, in, in Zim. My parents and grandparents uh, ran a sports shop there called Fulton & Evans. So I was pretty much brought into sport as soon as I could kind of consciously know what was going on. You know, we, we were either at the sports shop or we were at the golf course on the weekends. My dad played a lot of golf. Um, we played all kinds of sports through school, tennis, hockey, even exposed to rugby. But I, I suppose I picked up hockey when I was 10 mm-hmm. and it was at school. Hurrah, Azim has a history, obviously. They won the the, I think it was in 1980. They won the gold medal. In, in the soviet uh, olympics so that had a, a big history and there was quite a big um push for hockey in the country post that and all the schools played it and it was well organized and yeah just had some fun with that um we moved to south africa in 84 and uh, moved to pretoria and i joined a hockey club there called uh, harlequins and i um, still going today and that's where i played on a saturday morning. Junior hockey, and uh, I played a lot of football, played a lot of tennis as well at the time. Cricket was always part and parcel of every stubborn kid's plays cricket, and that was really enjoyable. And I suppose when I got to high school, I had to choose. um I couldn't play football anymore because the high school didn't offer football. And um, I played hockey as under 13. And yeah, it was similar to football, obviously, just space and. Um, a lot more technical so it was a lot more challenging and then it became a lot more addictive to try and obviously improve the skills um and i and i played a lot of uh, i played a lot of hockey through high school played rugby as well played one season and then i realized the guys around me were getting bigger so i was not gonna last and i needed to go back to hockey and uh, i ended up settling on hockey
0: Fantastic. So, so football's uh, loss is hockey's gain, quite literally. Yeah,
1: something like that, yeah. No, <laughs> so, it's just fun.
0: So, actually, I, I just looked up and it was Zimbabwe women's national hockey team that won the uh, Olympic gold medal in 1980. And yeah. it was the Indian men's hockey team under Bhaskaran who had won the gold medal uh, in 1980.
1: 1980, yeah, yeah, that's right. So, good omen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. absolutely. What a fabulous anecdote there, really, Craig. I think uh, that was very interesting. Um, yeah. You know, um, I just want to know, like in your playing career, you've seen uh, the absolute dominance of Netherlands, Germany, and Australia in world hockey. Netherlands yeah. won back-to-back gold in 96 and 2000. They also happened to win the 98 um, World Cup in i think it was in utrecht uh, yes. i'm not wrong yeah and and then uh, germany ended up winning a world cup and gold in sydney olympics and then we saw australia setting new standards in the game under legendary cro- coach rick charlesworth so so what did you really make of these teams back then and then did you you know follow their success stories Or did any of that become a lesson for you in your coaching career later on?
1: Uh, it's a good question. I I think like as a young player coming through, uh, the under 21 and then getting into the, the national team, it's always a really big step. Um, and when you play a almost fully professional team versus an amateur team, the gap is just pretty big. So it's more a case around the leagues, all the leagues that are um, accessible to hockey players. The league in South Africa was good, but the leagues in Europe are just that much better. So they're just more professional. They're just obviously a lot more um, organized and there's more quality players playing in them. So the competition is higher. So when you end up getting into these tournaments as a younger international player, or even just a young international team, you end up playing against, the best obviously players in that country but playing against the best players in the world in that league so the dutch league the belgian league the germany even they all attract really really top players and then you end up having a mix of really really talented uh, teams um so the idea was to compete you actually had to play most of your league hockey or as much of it uh growing up in europe as much as possible and um, not everyone can get a, a playing contract. So, because there's so many good Dutch players in the Dutch league and vice versa, and, and the same in the German and the Belgian league. So you really had to be above average to, to get in there and, and do that. Um, so that wasn't an option for me initially. I, I played, um, 96 Atlanta Olympics was a really, really amazing eye opener. We had a really good team. Uh, we had some good results. We finished 10th. But we still kept the core of the same, the same. The core of the group was to push on to get into the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. We got pulled out of the tournament on political grounds. Um, just uh, politics and sport is never really nice. And coming out of South Africa, there was lots of challenges, and um, that was tough because we had a good team. We we qualified. We were going to Sydney, and then um, we got pulled out of that from a political point of view. Um, but to watch the other teams like Holland at the time, who were were progressing with the drag flick, uh, Taka Farnahanet was one of the best, and then a youngster came through, Bram Lomans, and he obviously stepped up and was the the next kind of phenon. And then there was good flickers in all the other teams as well. So the flick started to develop, and the penalty corner started to get better and better, and uh, the better teams had the better flickers. So that's that's mm. kind of what's happening at the moment, uh, in the modern game at, at, at the moment. So it started back then in 96 and it's carried on all the way through. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice journey. I suppose the, the points I'm trying to make is the better the leagues, the more consistency, the top teams were performing because a lot of the better players were playing in those leagues and it just got better and stronger. And, and Europe is, is very strong at the moment in that, in that regard.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: Great. Right. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I also want to understand in your coaching stint, um, what did what did this result with Ireland really mean for you? You know, uh, it it eventually became an iconic team. You know, all of us ended up following uh, the Irish team sitting in India. There was David Hart yeah. who, was literally, winning all of our hearts. I, I really enjoyed watching him uh, uh, play, it. and and I think he also shared a good very good relationship with Sri Jesh as well. Um, yeah. you know, they would exchange notes and goalkeeping and stuff. So so tell us yeah. about this coach. You know, what did what did this result with Ireland really mean for you personally?
1: That was that was just an amazing part of part of my career and obviously the history of Irish hockey as well to get actually over the line and qualify. I think um a little bit of the history with me joining with Ireland um, I became the player coach of Pembroke Wanderers and uh, that's in Dublin. So I had, uh, I was actually in the South African team for the world cup, which was, I think it was 2006 in Gladbach. but I had to pull out of the team because I was going to take up this job uh, as player coach with the Pembroke Wanderers. And the two tournaments, the start of the league and the world cup clashed. So I, I actually I pulled out of the South African team because I, I I didn't have a contract playing with South Africa, so I needed to earn money. And um I just got married there to Nats, my wife, and uh, we just moved to, to the island. So I took the job. Um and from then on I had more or less four years with the with the team um as assistant coach and it was just uh it was just a really incredible kind of family environment, um, the Irish are special people in the way that once you're on the inside, then you're in. And, and it just takes a little bit, of, little bit of time to get on the inside, but once you're in, it, it's family. And we created a, a them and us um, environment because we were the underdogs and there had been two good coaches before me when I took over and the platform was set, the players were set and I've been part of those two programs. I left to go back to south africa in 2010 and then came back to ireland in 2014 to head coach so i've been in ireland for five years went back to south africa for four years then came back to head coach and um there in a bit of a, a dip uh when i came back which is never a bad thing to take over and um we just hit the ground running and we had our first kind of blocks of success we beat england in a a home match in dublin i think for the first time in 10 years or something or eight years and that started to bring the belief that the guys could uh, we were onto something and it just grew from there i think one of the most amazing kind of um achievements that we achieved was beating england in england in the euros because mm. the European tournament is, there's, there's five of the top eight teams in the world, and at that time we were ranked, I think, 14. So we were mixing it with the top six teams, and um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, there's a big budget difference between Ireland and and England, and uh, we were able to create history on the day in winning the third, fourth playoff. The other mm. thing was we lost, we only lost to Holland one 0 in the semi final. In the europeans and we were we were playing really really well so it was just great to see and then we kicked on to the 215 euro championship where we finished fifth and i think that was the progression of this team is now coming into its own it's it's playing a nice brand defending well and it can take on any team and the kind of belief the team had in it the staff was fantastic the players were really connected and there was a huge drive to qualify because there'd been a big disappointment in 212. Um, when the team fell short to Korea for the London Olympics, and um, yeah, that was that that was tough to deal with, but good that we debriefed that game and and got right into it and uh, turned the corner and I uh, think that was an important step in helping the team qualify.
0: Absolutely remarkable, really. It's um, it's it's I can imagine the challenges because it's it's. It, it's 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 a success story which is great to read but but the challenges that you may have faced back back then um it's it's really hard we understand to lift a team from uh underdogs to um you know eventually playing in bhuvaneshwar in in uh, in india for, at Good the world team. cup we we met we met the Irish team then, and uh, I think there was so much focus. I remember on that team, and everyone wanted to hear about this success story, write about it, and um, I think it was
2: quite. Yeah,
1: it was it was a tough decision to leave because I'd, I'd forged such good relationships with all the key players and all the younger players. I mean, David Hart as, as, as captain. I mean, I I was part of him coming to to Pembroke when he was eighteen, and his brother Connor and all the other players and ronan gormley who was captain at the time in in rio so there was a lot of there was a lot of time spent with and playing with and coaching with and um learning from and learning with them and uh yeah it was a special time and then me obviously being asked to join belgium at the time before going away i think it was like july august i joined belgium and then july the team we, we we qualified obviously for the world cup uh i think it was may june somewhere around there in south africa so it was very sudden it it, it was very sudden and i think that uh that obviously unsettled the team a bit um but uh yeah the, these are these are big decisions to make in one's career and i, I chose i chose that path to to leave ireland and uh, to pursue a, a full-time assistant coaching role with belgium
2: yeah,
0: yeah. We, I think we will come to that uh, stint as yeah. well, just a bit. But, uh, but, but, I, I'd like to draw some attention on Natalie. She's been really the woman uh-huh. behind your success. Um, she's been a player. So.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And she's been a player herself, so I'm sure she understands uh, all the sacrifices it may take. Um, you know, in 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 your yeah. careers, and and tell us a bit about this coach because. You know i i have huge regards for you guys um you know you leave your families behind take up take up this job it's an absolute hot seat um you know guiding the indian men's hockey team and um there's a lot of sacrifices that goes behind this job as well which you know i think people should be aware of so so tell tell us about natalie
1: so it's been it's been it's been like three phases to be honest so We moved back to South Africa as a family in 2010, and uh, we went back to work at the University of Pretoria, and Nats was head of the the hockey program, and I was the high-performance director there. And we had four great years, and I just knew I'd worked with South African uh, women as assistant coach, and then was working with the South African men as assistant coach. And then I applied for the job for the SA men's um, uh, position, and and like i was turned down so that that didn't happen and then i knew i couldn't stay in south africa for too much longer i needed to i needed to stay in the international game otherwise i would kind of fall behind and um it's kind of like that at the international level like if you're not in it for two to four years then suddenly you get passed on and it, 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 uh, it's really hard to get back into it mm. and um i've got a call from david hart at the time and he said listen we've just uh, parted with the previous coach and uh we'd we'd really like you to consider would you put your name in the hat to try and um, you know coach island and i've just moved my family back and we've just had a third child mm-hmm. uh lola and it was now if i take this position obviously i've got to go back and what do we do with the family and it's not about just moving the family back again because we were having we just settled and it was it was a really it was a really nice time in our lives to be back in South Africa. And um so I flew. So I accepted the job and I took on the challenge of making history in China, help the team qualify because that was the only reason to go. Mm. And it was clear from day one. But then what I would do is I would fly away for six weeks and then I'd go home for two weeks.
2: Mm. Six
1: weeks away, two weeks, six weeks, two weeks. And um Yeah, we had a very young family, three kids. I think, um, yeah, Mila was probably about eight, Jake was five, and yeah, four or five, and Lola was like one. So, it became very, very taxing for Natalie at the time, and um, I said, like, once we get this um, team playing and we get everything lined up, then we'll move as a family together to come back to Ireland, and we did that uh about 18 months maybe two years later uh but yeah just under two years so wasn't with the veteran but the same thing we had to deal with the team because it's amateur in ireland so mm. the guys pay money to play for ireland at that time mm. Uh so roughly 500 euros so you can kind of s- completely see the 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 joint sacrifice of coach doing what he was doing, players doing what they're doing, using all their leave, using all their unpaid leave. Some of them had to take um, just to make the tournaments and the training blocks. And then we had to have a bigger squad so that we could obviously facilitate a team still playing when others couldn't take leave. But obviously they were more experienced so they would then play the bigger tournaments to help uh, the team uh, qualify. So it was quite a big big, um, puzzle to put together. And then on top of that, we also... With Irish hockey, we fundraised so we mm-hmm. fundraised over 200,000 euros from the hockey community and the local, um, this hockey clubs and everything to try and get the team to train more full time going into uh, Rio Olympics.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that was a whole different ball game. So I'm in involved with fundraising for the team and we're running out of money because while we're training we're running out of money so we have to mm. put on another event to try and get more money to keep the team together to train so it was just it was it was an amazing kind of commitment from everyone that ended up pr- pushing that team towards Rio and it was very very close very very close i mean we lost 3-2 to India in the first game um 3-2 to Germany um to Argentina, eventual gold medalist. So it was a fantastic competitive campaign. We just fell short in the one game. We needed to beat India at the time. And we beat Canada to make the quarters. The quarters was our goal and it was, um, yeah, it was a memorable time, but very, very difficult. So the sacrifice of all of that uh, Mm -hmm. is based in, yeah, Natalie. Natalie is the rock in in our family and in our lives and it happened again in belgium just to give you an idea of the rhythm that i would do because in in head coaching there's only a certain amount of jobs that are full-time in the world and mm. as you get up and higher and higher in that in that ladder, they seem to be further and further away and this belgium um gig was actually i would go to belgium on a sunday morning and part of the the league game watch game specific games and then train monday tuesday wednesday fly home either wednesday night or thursday morning and then be home thursday night friday saturday three days of the week and then fly again sunday morning Mm -hmm. and then i did that for like three years wow so i'd fly in and out of belgium every week and then it got a little bit crazy after that because of COVID and all sorts of things happened I I coached um, racing for two seasons and then dragons for for, uh, one season. And I would uh, basically fly home on a Friday night after training, be home on Saturday, and fly back to Belgium on the Sunday morning. And I did that for three seasons. So I'd be home one and a half days a week, and the rest of the time I'd be coaching. So, yes, there's a big sacrifice to do the international coaching. And then now, Takes a different, it takes a different level now coming into the Indian environment where it's more full time role. Um, but with the, with the program as it is, we can control the program within reason of competition and, uh, trying to give the players breaks and then the staff can take those breaks at the same time. But it's not all, it's not all like that because there's certain downtime periods where we got to train the next group of players and also the current ones. So yeah, it's a full time job here in India
0: absolutely and also time apart from family
1: yes for sure Uh, the nice thing exciting thing now is the family's coming over to Chennai to watch the tournament um yeah yeah so they're going to get a full a full flavor of the the culture and what hockey means to India and Chennai so I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing that
0: fabulous that's really nice, yeah. to tell, you know, because uh, I think even with Graham, uh, who was here earlier, uh, he had Julia uh, living with him in Sai, and uh, and they really kind of adapted to the Indian life, uh, you know, and enjoyed the sun yeah. every day and things like that. So,
2: so yeah, I sure.
0: when you have um, a, a job like this, um, you know, uh, it's it's probably always uh, nice to have that kind of support from uh, your spouse. And uh, it becomes so important because a lot of times, you know, we're always grilling you about performance related questions, but, uh, but, but we don't end up talking about um, the, the other aspects, you know, how are you dealing with it or, you know, who's there in the family to kind of give you that support, uh, you know, first yeah. dating day probably. So it's, it's fabulous. Yeah, and for
1: sure. And I think the other thing is like with my kids or at a, at a age now, Mila's sixteen and and Jake is uh, fourteen and Lola is ten and they're playing uh, their first little international tournaments. They're playing for Ireland in the eight nations in Crete Kray, in Crete That's what Mila's doing. Jake's playing in the under sixteen, and Lola mm-hmm. rides horses. So they're busy, 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 busy. So it's also trying to coordinate times to talk, times to chat because of the time difference. And then they're at school. Then is at training, and then it's um yeah it's, it's not easy but uh, we really look forward to the times that we're going to be together and um i know this this position won't last forever so while we're in it i'm giving it a hundred percent and um i really want to make it successful and for the family as well
0: yeah yeah absolutely and and just um going back to that stint with belgium and then um coming here winning the World Cup in uh, Odessa, um belgium instantly became one of those favorite teams even for the indian hockey fans you know and i think yeah. that story was followed uh, through and through and um yeah and and it was it was a very special world cup i think um you know for us too as yeah. well. so so tell us about your experience with belgium creating those champions
1: i think um those champions were built on the connections that they created over a long period of time. Those those players have played together for a lot of them longer than 10 years. Um, and that, so from junior club through high school into obviously the, the first teams of the clubs that they played for, and then the national teams all the way through 16s, 18s, 21s. A lot of them are all connected all the way through somewhere there's a connection. And um, some of the senior players have, been able to play for longer so i mean you just take john john derman at the moment What's he got 452 caps or something which is incredible absolutely incredible for um so you think about how many years he's been playing i think he started when he was 17 he's roughly 35 and he's been able to keep playing for that length of time so the experience and connections and and that's just a, a, a really simple example but there's a lot of guys in behind that that have plus 300 caps. And because of that, they know each other inside out. And it was just the right timing to join Belgium. I came in with uh, one or two uh, objectives to try and help the team improve in certain areas. I presented to the team. It was it was quite a interesting conversation. And I think um, it was an important one. But at the same time, they had all the ingredients. Everything was there. And it was just, Timing and getting everything right again, and and um, the tournament in two eighteen was a fairy tale. To be honest, it, it just had all the hallmarks of okay. We didn't start very well. Uh, all credit to India. At the same time, I think we drew the first game two two, um, and then it kicked on from there. We had to play an extra game. Uh, I think Germany won the pool, and they had almost like a week off. And we played the extra game against Pakistan. Won that game and had more rhythm, and then beat Germany uh, in the quarters 2 0. Mm. And then a, a really amazing thing happened, which was so sad, but at the same time, really highlighted the the connection in the group. Uh, Simon Gouillard, his uh, father was very ill before the tournament, and the night before the semi final, he passed away. Mm. And obviously, you know what that. that um, Connection with the group and the parents and everyone that had gone through 10 years or 12 years of being on the side of the pitch and supporting their, their kids and everyone else's kids and watching this team grow. The next day we played England and honestly, it didn't matter. We could have played anyone. We would have smashed them mm. at that time. And, um, it was such a poignant a, a moment in, in the tournament because yeah, it, it just, it just settled the team. It just, uh, it had purpose mm-hmm. and then to play, I think it was Holland in the, in the final, in a nil-nil final, Uh, that's not, that's not heard of before, but um, that happened and then it went to shootout and to win it on shootout, had to do a retake again because we thought it won it and then hadn't won it. And then uh, Florian van went and finished it. Um, And um, yeah, the rest was history after that. So it was the first one. And after joining after like three, four months, It almost gave it validation that that was the right move. That was the right place to be. Um, I was trying to do my thing and add value there and be as positive as I could be with the environment. And um, yeah, it worked. And uh, there was fantastic coaches there, obviously, with Shane and with Michelle and all the rest of the staff. And it was just a really good tournament.
0: Mm, it's interesting that you mentioned about being positive because i think that was the nickname the, the the guys in belgium gave you too you're mr positive and that's what a lot of them said when i think some of us were talking about uh, uh you joining the indian team and a, yeah, yeah. some of the players said oh my god he's he's mr positive you know this it's impossible to have him on uh, you know ca- catch him on the wrong side he's constantly you know just giving positive outputs you can never get anything negative out
1: of craig I get angry now and again, but uh, for the right reason. But I suppose I suppose you have a choice, right? You you can either see the the glass half empty or half full, or and um, I choose the the latter. I always want I always see it as it can be, not as it is. And um, I think that's one of my strengths, and that's just that's just natural for me. It's not it's not easy to do. Don't get me don't get me wrong, but I choose that I choose that way because it's helped me more than it's uh, hurt me.
0: I must share this instance with you which kind of uh, portrays the absolute determination that the Belgium team uh, had uh, you know, ahead of the World Cup Then they just wanted to win it at all costs. I don't know if you remember in 2007, mm. we had the World League final here in Bhuvaneshwar. Yes. They actually lost to India, I think. I think they lost a, a podium finish to India and uh, mm. that did bother them quite a lot so i think i think around that time we also had the world cup replica in the stadium and okay. uh, the belgium squad overnight decided they wanted wanted to just get into the stadium somehow and lift that replica just to see what it feels like yeah.
1: Yeah. they
0: told themselves that we'll come back exactly one year from now and win the and lift the actual title that was quite and a, that's,
1: and that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And they did it. So I think they really had, uh, a disappointment and sometimes through disappointment, that's not, not the worst place to be a year out from a big event and, um, lots of things kind of clicked in, in the team to, to do things better and to be better. And, um, that was the catalyst for sure. They still talk about it. It's, it's really funny. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: quite funny actually.
1: Yeah. I wasn't there obviously. I was with with Alan, but uh when I joined, I'd heard the 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 scenario and the story, and then the build up to going back was exactly lining the two up.
0: Yeah, you know now it's yeah. it seems so funny, but I think back then they sent a the entire police force into a a whole lot of stress that night because everyone
2: yeah
1: knew they what escaped. What's
0: happening? Yeah, where did they escape? So
2: yeah,
1: yeah, quite good. Funny good lots of fun uh, yeah. That, yeah and that 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 will never be forgotten you know
0: mm, absolutely yeah so so in that sense coach you've really been familiar with the indian setup you you had already been here a couple of times so, yeah. so so when this role happened you know well what was i mean if if there was that one thing that really you know um told you that i think you know, I should take this up with the Indian squad. So, so what was that, you know, because you already know, there's a lot of pressure involved in the sport, there's a lot of expectations. And the moment, you know, somebody with credentials like yours come in, then, then people are already thinking, you know what, we can win a gold next Olympics. So we can, you know, win a next Olympics. So that expectation expectations already set. So you, you do understand that,
1: the whole scenario
2: for sure I, i think
1: if you if you're a high performing um athlete high performing coach you set your own standards and you set your own um goals of what you're wanting to try and achieve in in the sport that you you are fully professional in so for me there's obviously the ideal goal and the realistic goal and the ideal goal is to win every tournament you play in But realistically you're not going to do that it's always about your ranking or how the team is set up or how are you actually performing i mean what is your current form like can you get 20 percent better or are you really at your peak and you can't get any better but there's two three four teams ahead of you that are already better so now you know realistically if you if you make top six or just get to top four then you really hit your hit your ceiling you know but um i think Suppose, from an Indian perspective, I had some objectives that I really wanted to try and achieve with within, within the, the Belgium environment, and it, it it didn't; it just wasn't there. So that's perfectly fine. That was clear, and um, the Indian opportunity came came to me, and um, I was really excited about it because it was uh, a new challenge. I always wanted to be back as a head coach. I had my own ideas. I had the things that I wanted to try and um, implement, and all with knowing and gaining knowledge from from Ireland, from Belgium, and from my own current club experiences. It was time to to do it again. You know, to become put myself back into the the head coaching role. And what an what a, what an amazing opportunity to do it with the Indian men's team when the upside is is right there. It's it's big. And at the same time, they weren't where they wanted to be, but it's just so tough in the sport, man. You have one bad game and suddenly you're out of a tournament. This is how the tournament's set up. You know, normally if you're not in the, you know, in the, the top two and you lose a game, you just don't make the semis, but you're not out of the tournament, you know, how it used to be set up. So it, it's tough from that point of view. but. Um, yeah, the, it's exciting. It's really exciting, and I've got my own objectives. And I think we we're really making um, a good start with the the new vision and the new Indian way that we're trying to uh, implement. Mm. And um, yeah, we we fortunate now. We have some games. We go to Spain next week uh, for four nations, and then we have the Chennai Asian Champions Trophy after that, and then we have a nice block leading into the Asian Games mm. of training. Yeah, so yeah, the Indian opportunity was just too big to turn down and, um, I'm really, really hundred percent all in and, uh, I really want to make it a, a success and, uh, yeah, bring some, uh, glory back to India.
0: Fantastic. And, 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 um, you know, you've, uh, you've probably been one of those coaches who've uh, paid a lot of attention to, uh, mental training. You, uh, you know, you uh, you really mentioned this when you uh, first spoke to the media here as well, how important it is to have uh, a good uh, mental conditioning setup, I think, in the Indian team. And yeah. then uh, spoke to Paddy Upton, uh, quite a celebrity uh, mental conditioning yeah. coach himself, has a lot of experience working with the Indian cricket team so um you know in that sense you know but just just tell us the whole thought process that you had behind you know bringing somebody like paddy into the setup and what you envision uh, to kind of achieve with his uh inputs
1: um i think i think it's it's quite plain to to see that in high performance sport like those that have the mental edge are normally the most consistent. And if you're the most consistent, normally you win more than you lose. And, um, you can still do everything right and still not win. And it just, it just can happen like that. But consistently, if you're doing the right things more often than the opposition, you normally get the results or you set yourself up to get a result. And that's, that's where I see the gap that we could, um, do some, some good work in there. Um, and also to help the team because of the diversity and the culture of of India as a whole, it's it's huge. There's a lot of different um, um, players from different areas in India, speak different languages, and how do we actually connect the dots and make this team really really click? So that was the number one reason to to get um, Paddy on board, and I I needed that and knew that was important before I joined. So I'm glad uh, Hockey India uh trusted me and in and, and trusted Paddy with that um with that call and um yeah we've had our first block um and it started off in, in exactly the way I envisioned it would um but we have all the ingredients here we just need to we just need to get the the right connection with everyone for the right reasons yeah and that yeah. takes time
2: yeah
0: you know, it's such an interesting subject, this mental training, because it's still fairly a new topic in the Indian high-performance scenario. Uh, mm. Probably the cricket team were one of the first uh, professional teams to have a mental training coach. This was way back, I think, 2008-9 is probably when Paddy was associated with the Indian yeah. side. And, um, and, and, and won the World and,
1: Cup in two eleven, yeah. So you can see yeah. The- the trajectory.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and and in fact, you know, I um I had this very interesting conversation with this multiple Olympic gold medalist. Her name's uh, Sanya Richard Ross. She was actually in Bangalore in May okay. for another, and she was talking a lot about mental training and how um you know in 2008 Beijing Olympic, she she was pegged to win the Olympic uh, 400 meters race, but okay. she didn't finish with a gold medal. And um, and when, and and in the lead up to that Olympics, she had faced a lot of personal challenges, which she, she didn't know how to kind of uh, deal mm-hmm. with. That and um, in fact, she's written that about. Uh, she's written about it in her book as well, where she 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 had an abortion with her partner, exactly. and she went into the Olympics with that mind frame, and uh, obviously that did have a certain amount of impact in her race as well. Mm-hmm. And after going back to the U.S., it was it was then that her coach said, "You know what? I think we should have a separate mental trainer who can work." Okay. Because I think in in even in the Indian setup, you know that's what even she was saying that in the Indian setup as well, you uh, there is no mental trainer concept. You know, if you if an athlete has an issue, they go to the coach, they discuss yeah. that the coach, and that was always. Yeah worked uh, in in many disciplines i'm not just talking about hockey but that's how it worked in other uh, disciplines as well but it's only over the last couple of years that we are seeing many many sports take this route where they they are working closely with mental mental uh, trainers and i think this is yeah. something that never usually comes out as well uh, that you know athletes so much of expectations but that aside there are times when they're also going through things in their personal lives which uh, also need to be addressed like any one of us uh, you know who yeah. are struggling to cope with these dual roles. So I think yeah. what you're is quite remarkable at the moment with uh, the Indian team and and trying to you know bring this awareness that it's very important to work with a professional. Uh, mental training coach who, who can make the difference really?
1: I think, I think you're human first before you're an athlete, before you anything. So Mm. you have to coach the human first before you can coach the athlete in a sense. So if the athlete is, like you say, really struggling with something personal, it doesn't matter what you do on the field or in the training room or in the gym, it becomes a massive challenge. Sorry, that's just a tractor-driving car. Okay.
2: (laughs) And um,
1: so, firstly, that link between coaching and and athletes is the most important. Because if your athlete is off, and they're honest enough to tell you because they trust you enough to to let you in, then you have a really good uh, starting point. Um, to actually understand what the the athlete's going through and then also to try and help them or put them in a, a better environment or whatever the case, it could be a whole lot of things because obviously us humans are very, very complex. And sometimes when it comes to selection or sometimes comes to injury or rehab or, you know, testing or lots of things happen to different personalities. And the more you know your group, the more you know how, they should or could respond because that's ultimately the the key under pressure is that i know i'm going to get a 7 out of 10 because of this challenge versus i don't know what this player is going to do because um they react differently to different situations and so you're always trying to understand your players first put them in those environments and then give them the tools the mental tools to stay focused to stay on top to stay on task and then if they get distracted or frustrated or emotional how to help and themselves get back into you know get back on point and then also the communication the language from the rest of the team and the teammates uh have to do that as well so it's not easy to do because sometimes if you're in a hierarchical system where the coach is god it's just you don't even talk back to the coach and then suddenly you lose all of that that's out of fear it'll work for a a certain amount of time and then it, it won't work after that because then the coach loses respect, or the players move on, and then he has to do it all over again. So there, so there's a different way of 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 obviously approaching it. But it is seriously important because I think most of the games are that are won are won with the right mentality. And the worst kind of games to lose is the ones that you lose yourself, that you don't get beat, that you make multiple errors, and then the opposition win because of that, not because of they were better than you
0: right that's yeah. very interesting actually
2: yeah
0: and and, and just just um on the fun, the fun side of things you know um just wanted to understand um if you have introduced any sort of uh, punishments for the team you know i'm i'm telling you where i'm coming from uh <laughs> <laughs> because they are a great bunch very professional yeah. um uh, and and uh but at the same time they can actually be quite notorious as well. And and yeah, for sure. Previously, previously, I think they had um they had punishments for different things, you know. If you're late for a training session, then you pay 500 rupees and you know they they ended up collecting so much cash at the end of it that you know when they went on tours, they would use that money to kind of go have yes. a dinner or something. And then, and then the I think that was introduced by Roland back in the day, and kind yeah. uh, of inculcated the, the the discipline and punctuality. You know, no one comes late for a tr- session and things like that. And then uh, with Graham, I think um, I think if if somebody uh, fouled in a game or something when they're training, then the everyone else in the team actually is punished. They're they're supposed to do like. 50 push-ups or something <laughs> <laughs> and and i remember i think when harinder was there he uh the team that lost a match had to cook for the entire team
1: <laughs> so so all sorts of Brilliant. things no so, very good very good so, so we're so, we building on that There's a, there's a few things um they deal with the the players that come late in their own way um we've had a few people that were confused between which group and that and they they got dealt with uh, in their own way. They like kind of set up their own little tunnel and the guys have to run through it and they all smack, smack him, uh, mm-hmm. whichever way. Or it's just a bit of fun. It's obviously just to kind of highlight someone was, uh, not listening. Um, same time, there's all high performance kind of, um, um, focus points that we look at. I'm not going to get into all of that, but that the we we're building on that at the moment, so we've got a few going, and uh, yeah, give me six months, and then I'll tell you uh, exactly what's going on.
2: <laughs> okay,
0: but are we going to reveal any names today? Who comes late, or uh, who
1: who's? I, I, I suppose um, it varies. Actually, it's not it's not just just one. I mean, the group is is seriously committed. It's seriously uh, punctual. Um, it's just a really good group to be around. They work really hard. And, um, when you ask for maximal, uh, effort, they give it and some, so sometimes it's not necessarily about getting them to train at maximal. It's to actually get them to train a little bit less, depending on what session we're after. But, um, yeah, they're all very excited, they're all very, com- uh, committed and competitive. And that's all we want. We want iron to sharpen iron and make sure that whatever team is selected. The rest of the guys are fully invested into making that team the best it can be because of the level that they bring in everyday training so we are 100 percent committed looking for all the one percent that we can gain every day otherwise if we we lose a few days with uh, the wrong uh, mindset then it's not good in a, in a in a in a full-time program so you can make it up on other times but if you're trying to consistently get and make gains then you need to chase those those one as much as possible, and they could be anything they don't have to be on the field they the connections you make with with players that maybe you're not connecting well with or the work you do in the gym or the recovery or the nutrition or actually the sleep is obviously one of the most important but then improving the game intelligence around what are we actually trying to do as a team? how do I fit in tactically and what do I how can I use my strengths to to make this environment even better um and then, you know, being open and honest, if I make a mistake, that's, that's also okay. That's like put your hand up and um, we take accountability for that. And then we can fix it because uh, by creating those values and creating that, we start to develop our culture. And, and obviously, the culture is a really important part of the process. If, yeah. we ever, if we're trying to get any results, if we don't have the culture and we don't have the process, uh, it becomes very difficult. So that's the first part and parcel of what we're trying to achieve here.
2: Right, right.
0: And just, uh, Coach, lastly, um, you know, we will be airing this uh, in the lead-up to the Asian Champions Trophy. So just circling back to this tournament itself, you know, um, uh, tell us about, uh, you know, who you think might pose the biggest challenge we've seen South Korea do really well in the World Cup. They were here in uh, Jan. Then we saw Japan also put up a fight back. Uh, in in the World Cup, South Korea of course won uh, the Asia Cup last year, uh, and uh, and their coach also is extremely determined to win that uh, Olympic berth. Uh, you know, I keep having these conversations with, with him, and he mentions a lot of times that um, you know this is our ultimate goal. We have to win that Asian Games goal to win uh, the Olympic berth. So in that sense, you know, we this Asian Champions Trophy is a huge precursor to the Asian Games. And um, you know what do you make of the competition uh, we're going to see in Chennai, and uh, who are the teams that you kind of uh, want to watch out for and things like that?
1: I think um, I can go on a whole like conversation about all the other teams. I mean, all the other teams have won it, and you know they all become a threat, and you just don't know what teams coming up in a one-off match. That's the that's the the beauty of our sport. Um, so, we're not really too worried about any one specific team. It's always about uh, a collective focus on the teams that we will be playing, and especially in the crossover, but making sure that we are really, 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 really well prepared for any situation. Mm. And we're covering that as we go, we're discussing it openly. Uh, what are our, what are our, Potential challenges. Um, how do we overcome that? And at the end of the day, you know, our, our focus is forefront about us and our process. That mm. that's really the the eighty percent of what we're doing. Twenty percent is pretty much on the opposition. And exactly because they're going to be good teams, they're going to be well prepared, and uh, we know that. And we have to be that much uh, um, more prepared and ready for for anything that comes our way. I mean, with the staff that uh, we put in place, and I've, I've been fortunate to have with, with Rhett and with Alan and with Shiv and with all the other medical staff, and that I think we we put a really good team together um, as we build and go towards um, that training block, going towards Asian Games. We would have gathered a lot of information from the uh, Champions Trophy and in the Spanish tournaments and with the squad that we have, Um, selected. We'll be obviously playing the, seeing the best combinations within that. And then, yeah, the Asian Games team is ready to go. So, yes, of course, there's good opposition everywhere. And in this tournament, it's more about India being able to play to its strengths, make, um, make the difference in, uh, in where we haven't or where the team has lacked previously. Because I think the last time that India won the Asian, Asian Games was uh, 2014. Was
0: it was a
1: 214. Yeah, 214. So it's been a while. So there's a nice challenge there. So it's not necessarily about anyone else, but it's more about us and our focus and our process.
0: Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Really exciting times, I must say, for hockey.
1: Yeah, definitely. They a really good time to be involved with Indian hockey at the moment. Everything's on the up. The team is. Um, Consistently, at some point in the last three four years, beaten every team uh, mm. in the world, and um, now it's just to put it together in a in a twelve month period, you know. Yeah. So that's the that's the challenge.
2: Yeah,
1: that's the consistency piece of the process that we offer. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic,
0: fantastic. So all of us are really looking forward to the tournament in Chennai, and uh, more so also to meet your family there. Uh, looking forward, <laughs> Yeah and the kids uh,
2: so yeah it's going to be awesome
0: so thanks thanks so much Craig for uh, taking okay. this time off I know you're very Thank busy you. but uh, this meant a lot for us to hear from you, Thank uh, you. Chat.
1: and all the yeah, way and, 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 uh, and also to all the fans and to everyone that obviously wants India to do well get behind the team um, I know um, if you came to watch them train you would see how committed they are to the cause. And sometimes they need your support, not only your criticism, but that's, uh, that's up to you. And uh, we have to deliver the results. So just back the team. That's what I'm asking.
2: Yeah,
0: fantastic message. Thanks so much, Coach, and all the very best.
1: Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Bye.